Welcome, everybody, to a Thanksgiving week edition of Tellage Talks. No guest this week, just a stream of consciousness from yours truly on things I am thankful for. And I'm going to start with gentlemen that I had the opportunity of working with or alongside or respected so much in the business of sportscasting and media. I work with a man in Iowa, Ron Gonder. He was kind of like my mentor when I was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and he taught me so much about the business, about being unselfish, about the story being what was the most important thing and how you are not the story. I learned a lot of lessons from Ron. I only worked with him for about a year and a half, and uh, I hope that Ron and his family are doing well. That was my second job in TV, my first job, I landed in 1976 in Rapid City, South Dakota, where I had the opportunity to work with about 10 other very young people, very green. We didn't know what in the world we were doing, but so many of the people that I worked with on that staff were individuals who helped mold me in that one short year that I worked in South Dakota. And I'm thankful for Rapid City, South Dakota, the city unto itself. It was up in those Black Hills that I really enjoyed uh, going on hiking trips, and we would go on Saturdays, my wife and I, and enjoy just the friendship of other people. Wonderful times in Rapid City, South Dakota. And before I got the job in South Dakota, I was working here in Cleveland. I had been in radio while going to Ashland College, and one of our family friends, Mr. Chuck Hill, invited me to come to Cleveland, come back home, stay with my parents, and concentrate 100%, make that commitment to go for something that you really wanted. And what I wanted at the time was the chance to be a TV sportscaster. And so Chuck, what a wonderful man he was, he invited me to come back and to work at his factory. And really it was just kind of one of those so-called token jobs where I sold nails over the phone for a couple of hours a day, made a few bucks. But while I was on the phone, I had the opportunity then to use what at the time was called a Watts line. And basically the Watts line was free phone. And back in those days, long distance rates just absolutely killed you. So I used that Watts line. I contacted tons of TV stations all around the country. And I did get that prize, that job in Rapid City, South Dakota. I started there in June of 1976. I got married to the bride, and that's what I call her to this day. I got married to the bride in July of 1976, and that was our first home, Rapid City, South Dakota. And as we climbed the path of uh, the business, I then moved to uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I mentioned uh, Ron Gonder and his wonderful influence to me. And after that, we came to Buffalo, New York. And for two years, I was in Buffalo, and I was covering sports for Channel 4, WIVB, uh, Channel 4 in Buffalo. We called ourselves News 4 Buffalo, and which I thought was just one of the catchier phrases that you could have for a TV news station. And I worked under the auspices of the sports director there at the time and a Western New York legend unto himself, the late, great Van Miller. Van was the longtime play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bills. He is now deceased. 
And we just had a ton of great times uh, working together there in Buffalo. Worked there for two seasons, two years. Covered very bad Buffalo Bills teams. It was before the years when they became the team that went to the Super Bowl four different times. But I also got my first taste of what it was like to cover big-time hockey. Absolutely loved covering the Buffalo Sabres for two years. But after that, we just had the chance to uh, uh, count our blessings that we've been in the business for about four years uh, on local TV and about two or three years of college radio and college TV prior to that. And I wanted to work in my city, my city of Cleveland, Ohio. And I wanted to do the sports here. And I would come home and occasionally pepper uh, some of the bosses of the TV stations here in Cleveland and ask when there would be a chance for me to have, have an opportunity to work for your TV station. And I was very fortunate that uh, a gentleman by the name of Virgil Dominic, of course, many people here in Northeast Ohio are aware of the legend that Virgil Dominic is. And Virgil gave me that opportunity. He gave me the chance to do sports here at Channel 8. And I've been at Channel 8 since uh, September of 1980, a long, long run that's been very, very uh, a blessed kind of a run to cover sports here in Northeast Ohio. But if it were not for Virgil having faith in me, this guy with very little experience, only four years of TV experience, but he offered me the chance to come to Cleveland and to do the weekend sports at Channel 8. And I was so excited to take that opportunity. And as I transition into talking a little bit about Channel 8, I'm about to bring up an individual who was very near and dear to the hearts of sports fans here in Northeast Ohio for many, many years. And that was the voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers who passed away recently, very suddenly and very tragically and uh, broke our hearts all over Northeast Ohio. And that of course is Freddie McLeod. I actually took Fred's job in 1980, when I got the position to do weekend sports at Channel 8, Fred went out to San Francisco. We became friends back then because Fred not only was classy to call me when I started at Channel 8 and wish me the best of luck uh, with his old position, as it were, but he also sent me a tape only two weeks into my stay in Cleveland, and that tape had interviews with some athletes out in the San Francisco area who had Cleveland ties. And he thought, well, JT, you could use this. And then of course, if you see something or come across an interview with someone there in Cleveland that you think I might be able to use, send me the tape. And the reason he said send the tape is because back in those days, we were only transitioning from film to videotape and everything that you aired had to be on a tape. There was no digital media, it was all tape. And so he would send me tapes, I would go to the airport, and I would t put tapes on planes and send them back to Fred. But talking about being thankful, I was thankful for Fred's uh, guidance from afar. Fred was a good guy to bounce ideas off, and he would also ask me for advice on specific things. But it was a, a, a kind of a mutual respect relationship that we had. And then our paths would cross uh, in a kind of crazy kind of way because uh, he was in, uh, he came back to the Midwest and worked in Michigan for quite a few years, was a longtime sportscaster in the uh, 
um, Detroit area, and then Freddie came to Cleveland uh, back around 2005 or so to become the voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and and of course uh, knew Fred uh, all the way up until his his untimely and 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 uh, sudden death. And I think about Fred a lot, and I'm very thankful for the relationship I had with Fred. Truly, an iconic uh, broadcaster, great great guy to. Uh, to work around and also to just uh, bounce ideas off of. There was another gentleman I looked up to quite a bit, the late, great Gibb Shanley, former voice of the Cleveland Browns, longtime anchor at Channel 5 doing the sports in Cleveland. Later on, he did it at Channel 43 as well. He was a phenomenal play-by-play guy for the Cleveland Browns. And I recall I had a chance as a senior in college to go to Channel 5 and to see behind the scenes how Gibb and Don Webster, uh, Dorothy Foldheim, um, and the anchors John Hambrick and company all did their thing. It was quite fascinating to see what big-time TV was and kind of gave me the aspirations, something of the bar to shoot for, to think that maybe one day I could come back to my hometown and do sports in my hometown. And obviously that dream did indeed come true. But Gibb was very frank with me, said, be yourself, which was kind of interesting because in some ways I was emulating him, his style, and I came to realize that I, I had to ultimately do what was best for me, be myself. And uh, to emulate him was one thing, but don't copy his style. That's kind of taking away from what you are truly. So I, I took that advice to heart. So he was always a, a good guy to uh, chat with when we'd see each other out and about. And I, I truly loved listening to his play-by-play back for the uh, the Browns teams, those great teams in the 60s, um, when he was the play-by-play voice of the Browns the last time they won the championship, which was back in 1964. And the young man that was kind of being groomed at Channel 5 at the time, I came to know, respect, and really love, and that was Nev Chandler. The little general, we called him. He was a package of dynamo. He was a great play-by-play guy. He took over as the Browns' voice when um, the big fella, Gib Shanley, uh, set sail to the West Coast to try to make his fortune there. And Nev did Indians baseball. He did the Browns. Um, I remember him calling uh, the stadium Pandemonium Palace. And he was just an incredibly fiery individual, very passionate about uh, doing things right and being good at the broadcast, incredibly prepared. And I came to respect that as well. And what a competitor that uh, he was. There were times when, you know, back in those days, it was newspapers, it was not the internet, and you just did not want to pick up the paper one day and see a story uh, written or to tune in to Channel 5 and to see Nev having some little uh, snippet or piece of news that you didn't have. It really struck fear in your hearts when you turn on the television sometimes in those days. But Nev was a great mentor, uh, to me, even though I was, quote unquote, a competitor. But Nev uh, just left us way, way too soon. I th- sit back and think, this guy died in 1994. He was so young. He had uh, cancer. He died uh, from uh, dealing with cancer. And 
uh, it was just heartbreaking to lose this guy. And it's been 25 years since Nev uh, passed away. And I often think of him and I often mention him to young people that are getting into the business. You know, you guys have the world at your fingertips right now and you can see video and YouTube stuff from years ago. Just Google Nev Chandler, check him out, see what he was all about. And uh, I think of him quite a bit because he was just quite the guy uh, to be not just a friend of, but to be a competitor. And he raised the bar. I often said that the bar was very much raised uh, when Nev Chandler was uh, getting on the air or doing his job. He was incredibly passionate about him, about the, about the job. And so I respected that ever so much. Now, Casey Coleman came to Channel 8 in the early 80s. I had been at the station for a couple of years. He had already been in the market doing radio, and he was hired by Virgil Dominic. Initially, Casey came to us and was doing commentaries, and they were very uh, edgy, kind of uh, over-the-top commentaries, biting, if you will, uh, because he had the quickest wit and fastest wit as well. Um, I guess those are two in the same thing, but he really was fast on his feet, kind of uh, sarcastic in his delivery at times. But Casey started out as a commentator, then eventually he worked his way into being our main sportscaster. And at Channel 8, we had quite the stable with Casey, Danny Coglin, young Vince Cellini before he went on to CNN and the Golf Channel. And we had a great uh, combination of people that worked doing sports. But Casey was um, one of those guys that kind of knew what it was like and probably lived with a lot of pressure because his father was a legend in the sportscasting business here in Cleveland and also in Boston, Ken Coleman. I used to watch Ken Coleman as a kid, and uh, I often wanted to be that kind of a sportscaster like uh, Casey's father. But here I was all those years working with Casey, and I was uh, pretty much in many of those seasons uh, and years in the 80s. I was running the sports department. Casey was the main sports guy, but I was out covering tons of things, as were Danny and also uh, Vinny. And Casey was holding down the fort as the anchor. And we had a great relationship. He then uh, was let go by the station in the mid-90s or so. But all throughout this, Casey was dealing with, uh, you know, he had a propensity to like to drink. And uh, it became very troublesome for him. And after he left Channel 8 and was working primarily in radio, he finally made the move to uh, uh, get himself cleaned up, which he did. And then after that, he became very, very uh, spiritual and, and uh, religious and uh, turned his life over to Christ, which I respected 100%. And we kept in touch as best that we could, but he was kind of running in that early morning uh, circle. And then I was running in the late night TV circle. And so we didn't see each other as much. But then uh, just horrific news, I think it was right around 2005, uh, he called me and said, I got bad news, I have pancreatic cancer. And um, it was very sobering to hear. And he fought like the devil. He really fought so hard uh, against that for a year and a half or so. And through it all, he was so um, much of a, not necessarily a pioneer, but a, a great advocate 
for helping people clean up their lives. He was sober. He was uh, in a good spiritual place, but his body was being ravaged by pancreatic cancer, and he fought as tough as he could. But while he fought, Casey was still making himself available to help others who who were addicted to the bottle or who had trouble with drugs or whatever um, there may have been. He was incredibly active and uh, helping save so many lives, uh, but in a, in a tough, tough way. And I always think about Casey around this time of the year too, uh, because it was late November of 2006, uh, Casey lost his battle with, uh, with cancer. And uh, before he passed away, he asked me to eulogize him, and which I was very, um, very proud to be able to do and to uh, give him the tribute that he absolutely deserved. And, and what I said was this was a man who, who changed his life, who had a tough life. Uh, he did grow up with the pressures of being the son of a legend, and, a, um, and, and those are pressures that are not easy to handle. And he did, and but still, Casey um, was so much of uh, a guy that you know thought of others and wanted um, people to you know, be able to have the strength to get off of whatever addiction it was that they were dealing with. So he truly was a giant, even though he was somewhat smaller in stature, but he was a giant in terms of what he did to help save so many people's lives. And I often think of Casey. Uh, we had great times covering the Browns, those years of Bernie and Webstar and Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner and Brian Brennan and Golick and Reggie Langhorn, all those guys. It was just a tremendous sense of it was a it was different times back then because covering those teams there were not as many restrictions and uh there was less of an adversarial relationship between the media and some of the athletes or the organizations if you will and it was just great uh covering those teams and of course the the indians of the 90s that uh had their resurgence in 94 when the stadium opened when uh, Jacobs Field at the time opened. Uh, those were great times, and Casey and I were all over that with the Browns, the Indians, and in those Cavalier years, um, the, the years when you had Price and Doherty and Nance and, and Harper and always trying to get by Michael Jordan and never really succeeding. Great times to work with someone like Casey Coleman. So there's been so many individuals that, you know, that kind of helped me along the path. I, I do point back to, you know, Chuck Hill helping me get my first job, uh, to the great support that my father and my mother gave me and the rest of my siblings to grow up in a wonderful community like Euclid, Ohio, and to have all the advantages of being in that loving environment and being able to go to college and being able to chase your dreams. But this has just been a, a tremendous business to be involved in. So many of the athletes that we have uh, been able to cover over the years have been great to me, whether it is someone like Ernest Biner, who bore some of the most um, visible uh, uh, disappointment when he fumbled that football away in Denver, but was such a stand-up man, not just before it, but after it, and remains so to this day. 
to be able to um, shoot baskets with someone like Mark Price after he's retired and talk to him about how his life is going. Um, those are the opportunities that I've had to do my job over the years here. So there's just so much to be thankful for. The guys in the business, as I mentioned before, like Virgil, who hired me here at Channel 8, to all the great colleagues that I've had a chance to work with over the years, from Vinny to Danny, of course, to uh, Mark Schrader, uh, Tommy Bruno, one of our producers, um, the, the people that work alongside of us these days, like Nick Kovach, who is the producer of Friday Night Touchdown, and just absolutely without Nick Kovach, that show does not get on the air, and I'm not afraid to say that to anyone. Uh, so many people, PJ Ziegler, uh, working with Ali LaForce when she first uh, started uh, in TV. Just so many individuals that uh, have crossed paths with yours truly, and I, I could sit here all day and talk all day um, and thank so many of these people, but I just wanted to kind of uh, take the time now to uh, get into words, uh, some of my thoughts about working in this this business of uh, television and some of the individuals that uh, have touched me over the years. You know, I've been at Channel 8 since 1980, and we are now in another new ownership uh, group called Nexstar, and they seem like an outstanding company, and I look forward to them uh, running our uh, show here in Cleveland. But I also sit back and say the reason we have been successful, we've had, we've had 10 owners now in 40 years, but I think the reason we have been successful at Channel 8 is because of the great people that we work with. And it's the people behind the scenes. It's those crazy knucklehead people that are on the air with me, like my buddies Lou Maglio and Bill Martin, who is actually retiring this week and heading to Florida. Best wishes to you, buddy. And just, it's all about the people. They make this business uh, as exciting as it can be. The, you can be thankful for the athletes that you cover. You can be thankful for the individuals you work with each and every day and, and uh, the managers that, that work with us um, week in and week out and try to guide the ship as we compete with the other stations. And then of course, so many other media people that I've had the chance to uh, rub shoulders with, if you will, over the course of these so many years. At the other TV stations, like Jimmy Donovan, who's been a, a good, great friend and a tremendous uh, broadcaster, people like that. And I could, again, go on and on, name so many different uh, people, but I think the gist is this. Be thankful, not just today, not just the week of Thanksgiving, but each and every week of the year. Count my blessings. I do that each and every day, and I hope you get a taste of uh, uh, kind of what I think in terms of how I look at the world and how I navigate through it. I navigate through the world with uh, my visor uh, having that thankful kind of tint to it, and that's how I look at the world. So be thankful. Have a wonderful holiday. Uh, to each and every one of you uh, that you come in contact with and your families. And we'll catch you the next time when we chat here on Telish Talks. Happy Thanksgiving.